What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. On this episode of the Minding Wellness Podcast, I bring you Dr. Veronica Anderson. She is a burnout recovery specialist and a physician career makeover coach. Dr. Veronica is the author of three books. She began her medical career as an ophthalmologist after graduating from Princeton University and Rutgers Medical School, and now has the distinction of being both a licensed physician, and a practicing psychic. She is an integrative and intuitive medicine physician and a certified functional medicine physician. She is also trained in homeopathy through the CEDH. Dr. Veronica has appeared on national television, including CNN and Fox News, and has been a guest on multiple syndicated radio shows. In this episode, we dive into her journey from traditional medicine into what she deems is a different field of medicine and of the ability to intuitively engage with her clients, and that is energy and biofield medicine. We talk about what that is and some of her experiences. This may seem a little more woo or out there to some of you who are used to more traditional podcasts, but I assure you that it is interesting and valuable content, and I would love to hear your feedback at the end. So without further ado, here is Dr. Veronica. All right. I am so excited to bring you a very interesting and special episode today. I reached out to Dr. Veronica Anderson and asked her if she would be on the podcast um, because I really love the ability that she has to combine her experience in medicine and also in intuition. It's sort of a combined experience that we haven't brought on the podcast yet. So I'm really excited to bring you on, Dr. Veronica, and thank you for your time today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah. So before we get into all of the great content and story behind your journey, let's start with the question that I ask all of my guests, which is what does true wellness mean to you? For me, that means having balance in all the five areas that make up your life. So it's health, it's your finances, it's your career or life purpose, it's your relationships and the area of spirituality and personal growth. So having all five areas of your life in balance equals true wellness. Perfect. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's oftentimes important to point those out because it, unless we really identify those areas, it's hard to start to focus on them. And I, we're definitely going to tie in the spirituality piece and um, potentially some of the others as we go along. So let's start with your journey. So talk to us a little bit about your journey in both the medical and spiritual fields. Now, I know that this could probably become very lengthy because it's, it's a lot, but um, I want to sort of tie in both of those. So I would love to just know your history in both of those. So a little bit about my background. I'm sure everybody knows from that. I'm a, I'm a traditionally trained, and when I say traditional, conventional in the United States, went to a regular, um, everybody kind of knows them, run-of-the-mill medical school. Um, 
and became an ophthalmologist. I went through internal medicine, ophthalmology, had my own practice. Um, and in the meantime, I started noticing that I knew things about people um, and could figure things out about people like instantaneously or without even interacting with them. And I just assumed this was something that was quote unquote normal. Um, and later on, it was pointed out to me that I was doing something that was unusual. <laughs> so um, I actually had my own eye care practice that was very successful. I was an eye surgeon. Um, and during this time, I would see patients with eye problems, everything, every practically every disease has some type of um, sign or symptom related to the eyes. And so I was a good diagnostician for the whole body, but sometimes people would walk in and I'll be like, oh, wow, you have Bichette's disease. And you're like saying, well, what is that? And doctors would call me up and say, how did you get that? And then I started realizing that I would know the answer in a nanosecond when I met someone. And then I would use my clinical skills to justify why I said what it was. Um, and so people just thought, you're just a brilliant doctor. <laughs> um, but I realized there was something else that was going on, but I really didn't talk about it because us as real doctors, we don't talk about things like that. If we can't prove it, if it's not in the journal, if it's not done by a study, we completely discount this in conventional medicine. And it's still like that now. So... I actually had a moment where I got really, really, really burned out and depressed, had post-traumatic stress disorder, compassion fatigue, and I jumped out of medicine because I had to. I was miserable. And during that time, doing something else, nothing related to medicine, I really became salient in the fact that I would, somebody would text me. I would not know who they were because I was doing an international business that had nothing to do with medicine. They would text me and say, you're a doctor. Can I ask you a question? And this is the text. And all of a sudden, I know what was wrong with them. I had never met the person, talked to the person. It was a text message. And then I would start texting them back and asking them questions and verifying what I thought it was. What would happen is there would be like writing in the sky. All of a sudden I'd see things like malignant hypertension. Um, her, his mother has a heart disease. You know, father is very sick. He needs to get in contact. I would get information like that from people who would, in, his sister has breast cancer or left breast and it's because she's really heartbroken about her husband who's having an affair. I mean, I would get information like that and then I would end up going back to the person and verifying, hey, this is, I got this information. Um, is this something that resonates with you? Or, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say, is this something that means anything to you? I got this message. Can I tell you this message? And I realized that these messages that I were get, was getting were pretty much 100% accurate because they were bizarre. They didn't mean anything to me. And then the person would be like, oh my God, yes, that's true. Now, what do I do? Um, so I was forced into this because my business coach, who I told that these interactions were happening, said, oh, my God, you're a medical intuitive. And I was like, a what? She's like a medical intuitive. And then she explained to me what it was. 
and said, you got to use this to help people. Of course, I'm very resistant to that at the time because I'm a real doctor and we don't do things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit how I got started in, um, the, in the field of, let's call it medical intuition. I call it energy and biofield medicine because that's really what it is. Um, so that's, that's, that's how I came to be in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> Okay, so interesting, and, and I have so many questions. The the traditionally trained part, I don't have so many questions about because I think we can all relate to what that looks like and what that means. It's this other part that I think that a lot of people may not understand, and in parts of it, including me, because if we don't have any um, previous history with that, either history talking to somebody who has these abilities or, or we have them ourselves, it can seem you know, we can, we can seem to be skeptics about this because it's not, it's not a world that many of us understand. So let's dive into a little bit of that. So you did not, as like a child, grow up feeling, this wasn't like a childhood beginnings of intuition. This really kind of started oh, alongside no. medicine. It, it was there. It was there. I it just was. Okay. realized it was something unusual or different. And let me just say that um, people look at this um, skill set as if it's something magical and we all have it. There are ones that do it like, um, all right, I'm going to use a basketball analogy. There are some of us, or, or let's say sports, there are some of us who do intuition like LeBron James and Tiger Woods. And then there are others of us like me who I can't even swing a Carly a golf club. But, you know, if I practice, I could do it. I could swing it a little bit, but I could do it. And if I practice, I get better, but I'll never be Tiger Woods. And if I bounce the basketball, I can bounce the basketball, but I'm never going to be LeBron James. So it's the type of skill that we all have that can be trained, but there's going to be some people where it's just their, it's the part of their, their core genius and being, and they can do it very well. And so because it was something that's such a part of me and comes to me so easily, I just assumed everybody else was like this. In addition, because I have such other skill sets that are very useful and accepted in society, I never had to fall back on those really, although I can tell you through my career, if I look back on it, I used it a lot, not calling it anything. You know, people just call it a hunch. Other doctors call it a hunch and will tell you stories about this. So this is not, it's not magic. This is something that exists in the quantum physics world. Um, if anybody's ever heard of remote viewing, um, this is a, a skill that's like remote viewing that can be trained and you can pull somebody off the street to be able to train them and do it well. So I think that we have to get out of thinking that this is not real and that it's not science. It is science in the energy world of quantum electrodynamic physics rather than biochemistry and physiology, which most of us have had more experience with because that's what our conventional system um, validates at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect, perfect kind of background and giving us some, you know, verbiage around it. I think a lot of us maybe have heard, you know, of the medical intuitive phrase or term or definition, but not a lot of us have spoken to one or have seen one outside of, you know, maybe a social media post. So I want to say something more about medical intuitive. We, we chatted a little bit about yeah. 
One of the things that I find a little bit confusing and frustrating, not a, a little bit, a lot confusing and frustrating about the term medical intuitive is anybody who um, has developed intuitive abilities where they can sense things about, their, about the body calls themselves a medical intuitive. There's no testing, training, anything. It's just, I can see things about the body. So I'm a medical intuitive. I know things, I'm a medical intuitive. Whereas um, to be a medical doctor, I can't just say I'm a medical doctor. I have to have something behind me that ver verifies I am what I am. So I resist a lot of times being called a medical intuitive because to me, when somebody says they're a medical intuitive, what it, in my mind, I've noticed that usually those people do not have a really super high level of medical training. They usually do not. M doctors I meet who have this ability don't want to use that term either because they've noticed that a lot of the times the people that use it, who are who may be famous and followed and, and very held in high esteem, have sometimes background that is just, they're not comfortable with associating because we can see holes in things. I mean, when I see somebody use the skill, everything should always fit together and be congruent. And a lot of times people who do not have formal training will confidently make grand errors. And it's just like, oh, that's what, it, but, and that's why they look like charlatans. So the term medical intuitive is um, emotional in a way for me because I'm just like, oh crap, there's somebody who thinks they know and let's see if they really know. And, you know, a lot of times when they meet people like me, because I can sense stuff, they don't even like to talk to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm just like, listen, we're really dealing with people's lives. We're really dealing with people who are desperate. We can't lead them astray and allow them to think this is the answer when it's not either or both in this field. My definition of health was those five areas. It's everything. It's not either or. So the term medical intuitive, I think, needs to have a little bit more definition around it. I don't know how that's going to happen, but it's pretty much a self-proclaimed title as opposed to a title that's bestowed upon someone because they've earned it in a particular way. You see yes, totally understood. And you know, it's 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 always hard because when there's a term in frequent use, it's it's hard to not use that because people can immediately relate to at least a portion of that, but then it does get watered down because there's no regulation around the term. Um, so you know, then you develop another term, but then people don't quite understand the uh, the other term. So I, I completely get the positioning that you find yourself in and the differentiation of you know, what you do and your medical background and, you know, not necessarily wanting to be lumped in that same category. So I, I completely if you, understand. If you came to me, I have background as an eye surgeon. If you ever found out that I was doing heart surgery, you would sue me for malpractice. And this is kind of what the medical intuitive field is like right now. You have people who um, say what they quote unquote feel and there's no questioning about it. And 
it's it's uncomfortable when you have a knowledge base. And my thing is, if you have the ability, I'm not saying other people shouldn't do it. I just feel that you have the um, responsibility, moral and ethical responsibility, if you're going into the medical field in any way, to get more education and training forever in your life as we who are doctors do i continuously and every other doctor and nurse and other medical professional has to continuously get continuing medical education to keep our license and credentials and so i believe that there should be something that if you're going to put medical in front of your title you need to have some kind of credentials and it shouldn't necessarily be credentials by like I don't I will teach people how to do this, but I'm not going to credential them because I'm not a credentialing body. There needs to be something where there's you know maybe a bunch of medical intuitives need to get together and and decide what it is. Except that's not going to happen because um, you know I think people like it being the wild west. I think people mm -hmm. who use medical intuitive services like that it's divorce from anything that their doctor would say who they all think is stupid now because everybody thinks their doctor is stupid these days <laughs> yeah it so. is it is an interesting time that we find ourselves in that we would question or not trust the person with you know the the background and expertise and education and you know, maybe sometimes blindly trust somebody because of that title. And, and as you mentioned, them speaking confidently about something often is sufficient. And so in, in any case, my, my point is, I, I agree with you. I'm coming from a healthcare background myself. And I, even though I don't practice traditional pharmacy, I only continue to call myself a pharmacist by profession because I maintain all my state licenses. And so in that way, I completely understand and follow and, uh, and agree. So let's get Let's get, I think we're going to get general is my plan. And then I would love to near the end, get a little bit more specific, like maybe even with um, one or two examples, obviously without any identification of those people, but um, just kind of get into the, you know, how it actually looks when you, when you do these types of um, energy work. So let's start with your understanding of the link between spirituality and health. So kind of going back out to the general, the link between spirituality and health and how you um, understand that link to be so important and then how you blend that into your practice. Yes, it's interesting because I can see the lady's face in my head and I, I can't call her name right now, but um, a lady who was, she was a PhD at UCLA who, um, as soon as I get off the call, I'll remember her name and I'll be like, it's <laughs> Valerie. I want to say her name is Valerie Hunt probably, Dr. Valerie Hunt. She um, did a lot of research in this area of biofield medicine and actually demonstrated that in people's aura that's around their body, that's their energy field. We all have an energy field that you can see and measure. You could see illnesses or injuries or problems in the energy center before you could, they would come true in the body, up to 20 years before that. So we know that um, there are issues that are surrounding us in a way, I'll call it issues because it's hard to figure out you know, the right terminology because this is still a newer field. Even though it's been around since the beginning of time, 
the validation by traditional traditional scientific methods is just not there um, because there's not a lot of money to study something that's not going to make somebody rich with a pharmaceutical. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that there's this biofield that's outside the body. There's an aura. If anybody's ever heard of Crowleyan photography, you can see things like that. Um, we now know there's things like heart math where we know there's coherence, where we can change our heartbeat. And anybody who's meditated knows that there are fields that when we work with them, we can change our minds and our bodies. And furthermore, we also understand that we say we, f- we have a feeling that an emotion, which gives us a certain feeling, fear, anger, sadness, gratitude, love, and joy, usually is actually a physical feeling somewhere in the body. And we also know that stress, which makes us feel bad most of the time, is linked to our body through the cortisol system. So a lot of this has been worked out, but then although we have this information, we don't use it a lot. So let's say right now we're going through a time that's scary to a lot of people. People are having fear. People are probably, they're not sleeping well. They're having stomach aches. They're having heartaches. They're having body aches and pains, all kinds of headaches, all kinds of physical symptoms that are a, what we call somatization, which means it's in your body of what's going on in the environment. And so that's the way we work as humans. That's the way you and I work. This is how we learn. It's also how we get messages from the universe. And so if we're walking through life with a purpose, we don't necessarily always know what our purpose here, but we're here to teach and we're here to learn. A way we get messages about what we're supposed to learn and what we're supposed to teach a lot of times is through illnesses, illnesses and injuries we get messages from. So, and, you know, right now it's easy to get a message because the whole world is going through major illness right now. So even if you're not experiencing yourself, you are observing it and having feelings about it, including in your body. And so spiritual messages, life purpose, a lot of the answers to who we are and what we're supposed to be doing are in illnesses and injuries. And a lot of times when we sort out those spiritual and emotional pieces, the body can go back into balance or, and people can heal or have a remission. And healing doesn't mean necessarily that the disease goes away. Healing means that the person is feeling a lot of times spiritual and emotionally whole as opposed to just physical. So sometimes people will get healing and messages and be like, I'm okay, but I still have cancer. And you know what? I died too. (laughs) Okay, because I've had clients like that um, who they got the message they were supposed to get from their illness or injury, and it didn't mean it miraculously went away. So one thing about this field Um, that lends itself. You get people who, I deal with people who have stuff that's strange, rare, and peculiar a lot of the times, and they're desperate. And so this is why I'm passionate that we need to be more ethical about this, because no one can promise 
that somebody's going to get over something or heal from something because I do not or no one else definitively knows what that person's spiritual walk or journey includes. The spiritual walk or journey may include that they're going to pass on to the next phase because they've got the lesson they're supposed to get. And, you know, we see death as bad a lot of times, um, but anybody who's had somebody die and had communication with that person, they realize that that soul, that spirit, that person who transitioned is there and gives them messages. So medical, this, this whole field of biofield and intuitive medicine is, is in quite fascinating. It's quite um, useful to people. This is a time where if you want to explore who you are and what you should be doing, boy, we need to be asking and answering those questions right now. Yeah, really interesting. Some of the things that you mentioned um, really resonate with me, probably just because of the spiritual work I've done over the past few years on myself. But, um, you know, talking about getting messages through illness and injury, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when Oprah talks about we get these whispers and we either listen to the whispers or they become like bricks to the head. And um, so that that definitely is something that I have um, I have shared with people because sometimes it's like, you know, people will say, oh, well, this, you know, I was feeling this, but I ignored it. And then it becomes this and it's, you know, it gets louder and louder and louder. Um, so I, I definitely agree that there is a, this link and a lot of us maybe have not been exposed to that concept or don't understand it fully, but we can at least connect with the concept that maybe we had a feeling or, you know, what we say, like there's a gut feeling. And so I think people can at least relate to that if they haven't been exposed to this verbiage or, or understanding. Um, so along those lines, how would an individual know or maybe even you would know if a specific ailment is physical, spiritual, or somehow both. Would we assume that everything has both components or are there some ailments that really are just physical body form only in nature? It's hard to answer that question because um, I'm not the all-knowing knowing being. So I'm not going to definitively say everything is Okay, so I want my, my real answer is I want to say everything's spiritual because we're living a spiritual journey. That's the pat answer. Um, it's all part of our, our nature of being. It's very difficult to find something, though, that doesn't have some type of spiritual association. And let me just say, it's, you, it's not necessarily as easy as reading a book. I know there's a lot of books out there that says, this means that, this means that. And it, you, know, you get this, it means that, do this affirmation, it'll fix itself. I have found that it's not that simple. Every body, every soul, every spirit has a different language. It's like my primary language is English and I'm learning French. And I'm like, okay, well, French and English, these things, I think, Sometimes I can't figure out how do you get this from that, right? Um, so I'm going to say it's like that. Every individual has their own spiritual DNA that's unique and also just as your physical DNA is unique. So to answer and say that it's either all physical or all spiritual or it's always both, it's, it's not that simple. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the doctor answer. It depends. Right? <laughs> so you can appreciate that it depends. Um, so there are people who come and I read, I, I, you know, I remember, and, and here's the thing. Um, 
if anybody wants to see, you can tell them later on how to get to me. But on my Facebook page, I've done readings of people that are live. And I remember reading, of, and so, you know, I'm not going to be divulging anybody's privacy because they agreed to do a live reading um, and, and let it be on, sit on Facebook. Um, you know, one woman, she was, I saw something deep in her energy system. And when I said her energy system, I'm talking about her physical energy system that could use correction, right? So yeah, she was having a, you know, sort of an emotional turmoil and stuff going on, but I also saw a physical problem that could also explain why she was feeling the way she was. I was like, hey, you know what? Your mitochondria aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Now, most people say, huh, mitochondria, you probably know what that is. You're important. <laughs> You've had all that, but most people be like, mitochondria, what's she talking about? Well, I, here's my thing. When you're deeply medically trained, to say somebody's mitochondria are having a problem and here's what you do about it, you know, and then what, and you'll say, well, how do you know that? And how do you verify that? When I talked and said it, cause I don't get feedback necessarily from people all the time. She's like, I know exactly what you're saying is right. That's exactly right. What do I do about this? Because even though I didn't know her and had never examined her or had blood tests or anything that would indicate this, I described exactly what I was sensing, why it was like that, and then here's a suggestion on how we can help you reverse that. Um, so you see all kinds of, now that's just in one particular area of um, physical health. There's another woman where she's a very large lady and she was wondering, she, she didn't even ask, she didn't ask the question, but I said, wait, I want you to know that your weight, you don't have any health problems related to your weight. I know people are trying to tell you this, but you go get yourself tested because you're going to find out that there's nothing wrong. And the reason why you have this extra weight is because you had a past life where here's what happened. And I explained to her, her past life situation, what was going on. And she said, and then, you know, I also talked to her about she had just started dating a guy and what was going on with him. And what happened, she went back and verified all this information, was able to let go of what was going on based vis-a-vis -vis her weight and all of a sudden was able to start losing weight because we unlocked a spiritual message for her. So readings, and that was about her and relationships. It didn't have, it, 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 yes, she had extra weight, but she wasn't unhealthy. Her blood, turns out she went to the doctor after that and her blood tests were all perfect, um, you know, and every, everything was perfect except she weighed a lot. Um, and so there's not necessarily, and she, and a lot of times people would say with weight, you've been sexually abused and, you know, all, they, they'll come up with answers that are in somebody else's book but are not necessarily the reasons that that person sitting in front of you has an issue. So, and I'll tell you, there's somebody who's listening now, this, this invariably happens, that the examples that I give, they'll might contact you or contact me and say, oh my God, I heard you on, with Claudia, and you said this, that, and the other thing, and I knew you were talking exactly to mm -hmm. me. That's how energy works. Uh, the example that will be given will be given because the person, people who are going to tune into your show will need to hear the specific message. 
that's the way energy works. That's the way life purpose works. That's the way we get messages. And so this is all bizarre and woo woo and all like that. <laughs> but I, I've been reading so many sciencey papers in the last, you've probably too, I'm sure. We're reading so much um, sciencey papers about what's going on with the current crisis. But we're not talking about anything about what the spiritual messages are in this whole thing. Um, and that's just very interesting to realize that everything's a spiritual message, really. That we're here all learning something in our spiritual walk from a different way, from a different direction. Some of us are put in teacher roles. A lot, some of us are put more in student roles. The world we are in right now, we're all getting a very, very, very intense, intense, intense lesson. Do I know exactly what it is? No. But guess what? If you've ever read Sylvia Brown, you'll see she predicted this in 2020. I don't know if you've seen that, Claudia, have you? I've seen a few reports. I don't know if it was specifically, you know, I've seen a few reports of, of different um, people predicting a version of, I don't know if I've seen Sylvia Brown specifically, but, um, you know, Nostradamus and, and others. Um, I have seen brief snippets of things that they predicted, even Bill Gates and his um, video talk, not necessarily specifically this virus, but talking about how um, the next thing that's going to take us down or, or bring us to our knees is going to be a virus. So um, I haven't specifically seen hers, but I would, since you brought it up, love to know, well, I guess, first of all, what her prediction was, but also what you do think the spiritual lesson uh, plural, parentheses S, um, should be or are from this uh, pandemic? So, so I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, honestly, I have no idea because I have no idea. I think one of the pieces, though, that's going to be very important is that we're going to have to learn how, as a whole human species, to work together on behalf of as many people as we possibly can. Um, one of the delightful pieces that I've seen during this is all the scientists from around the world who have been collaborating. Um, so on top of it all, we're watching the politicians posture and argue and blame, but underneath behind the scenes, I'm in groups where there's epidemiologists, there's naturopaths, there's MDs, there's PhDs, and you're probably in some of these groups too, where people are working out, what do we do to help fix this situation? So there's collaboration that's happening that probably, and quickly, and across um, cultures and languages and everything, and I believe that one of our messages, we're going to have to learn that we all, we're going to either collaborate or die. That's, that's what I would say. Now, do I for sure know what it is? No. <laughs> um, as far as, I, I don't read a lot of, um, you know, Nostradamus and, you know, I know who Sylvia Brown is and it was just, you know, I've, I've read a few things, but then it was brought to my attention that she wrote a book. I don't remember what it's called. I have to go back and look it up where you see that little passage that she said in 2020, and I, I don't remember the exact words. You can go look with other people put it up. She said in 2020, this is going to happen. And you have to see exact wording and you'll be like, wow, interesting. Now, one thing about that, 
that I hope is it comes true about her prediction um, is she said it'll appear and then just as quick as it appear it'll disappear and then it's going to reappear again like she said in like 2021 or something like that so i'm really but then it'll disappear so it seems like i want it to be that way so much i want it to just and i'm sure there's so many people who are feeling like me especially when i'm talking to doctor friends who've actually been infected who i go look at their facebook page because i want to see please let them be okay let them be okay you know what i'm saying i see things like that i want it to disappear <laughs> right for the people i want it to disappear for the whole world um we're here we're this is a big lesson for 700 how many people do we have 7.7 .7 billion people on earth it's a whole lesson for 7.7 .7 billion of us um and what is what is it I don't think we're going to really know what the lesson is until, and then we'll still be arguing about what the lesson is. You know that because that's the way we are. <laughs> um, I don't know if we're, what the lesson is until we dial back in 10 years from now or like, Hey, now we're studying the 1980 flu pandemic. Um, and guess what? Here we are 102 years later. And it doesn't seem like we learned a lot from the 1918 flu pandemic exactly about how to manage these things totally okay um so you how about we meet here in like 10 years and we look back and say what was the message <laughs> <laughs> yeah hindsight right it's always 2020 that's it, it's true for so many reasons but i do agree with you that the the undercurrent of collaboration honestly it's been really interesting for me to watch it kind of it's even integrated from like the medicine to all of the tech, you know, all of the technology people who are like, okay, well, we not, aren't necessarily in medicine, but we can help now with the production of masks or the production. And I've just, I've seen this whole, like everybody coming together from different fields with their own specific skills, resources, and knowledge. And, and that's been really very inspiring to watch because I don't know that we've seen that kind of global undercurrent of collaboration in this way before. So I, I agree that that's been a, a very nice silver lining. Here's the other thing that is, um, I have found particularly challenging about this because, um, and you might have found it challenging too. I have to, okay, after going through years and honors and all the education and training um, and understanding things on a deeper level, and certainly I'm not the most learned person because I'm not an academic in these areas, to have to have these discussions with what, what has been now known as the armchair scientist has been maddening because basic things that we take for granted that are biochemistry, physiology, epidemiology, statistics, the average person doesn't know that. And even if they're a very highly trained person, they're going to argue you down about something and be dead wrong because this is the way we are these days and then you know so i've had these kind of discussions with people two months ago and now they'll come back and send me something that i had a discussion with something that they argued and told me that i was wrong two months ago about so it's it's been um it, it, i don't it's almost like i don't even want to talk about it with people 
because they're they, they're trying to say, well, we should do it this way because. And I'm like, there's no, they're just saying it out of their opinion because they read the New York Times and the Washington Post and they've looked at a few PubMed articles, but without the basis of a whole way to evaluate, everybody says, here's how we should do it. And of course, everybody has a different opinion and a different talking head that they listen to. So <laughs> that's been just like, you know, one of the things that I'm just like, okay, I just got to step out of this and let my blood pressure <laughs> go back down. Because a lot of the things that people are arguing for or arguing against have been shown not to work in the past, or there are big holes in why it probably will not work based on models that have something that have been in the past. And what the model that are being put forward are the ones that particular media chooses to put out there. And the lesser voices, like we're talking about something spiritual, we're, these spiritual messages are out on the fringe a lot. Whereas the scary, here's what the science says, and it's only certain people's science, is picked up by CNN and Fox News and argued about you know, on a different slant. And it's just been, that, that's been one of the more frustrating things for me to you know, know, know something here's how it is. I'm not, not, not working to be dogmatic, but let's just talk about the science goes this, A plus B equals C, but the people who you're talking to don't, have never had the background of A plus B equals C, so they're not arguing from anything other than an emotional standpoint because the article that they read says something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I it's interesting because I do find myself um more now than probably ever looking to quiet the external noise and you know meditate more and go internal because of all of that noise and you know aside from just getting my you know daily update of where we're at it's like then I don't I'm like done you know I don't want to hear it anymore um and so so along those lines since we're kind of on this track now what would you say I and I actually know you know, a decent amount of people in my own circle have found themselves seeking more spiritual practices, guidance, et cetera, because of this. And I, and I think it's interesting that this may lead to a larger awakening just out of a necessity of people needing to find solace and peace in some way. So what would be your advice to somebody who maybe is not necessarily used to spiritual practices, opening up to spiritual concepts, you know, lived in a primarily very Western world with the traditional everything, traditional medicine, traditional just hustle bustle. Um, what, what would be your advice to somebody who is um, maybe seeking another option, another way, um, or at least a supplemental way to start to get um, more centered? Um, you know, what are some of the practices that you maybe yourself do or like, is it meditation? And what are, what are some of the things that have helped you that might help somebody who is anxious, concerned, um, having a hard time finding peace in the midst of this chaos? So one of the, one of the pieces is like you're talking about unplug, just turning off everything. If something, if the world's going to come to end, somebody will tell you and you'll know about it. And you have to trust that. Um, realize that you're going to know somehow because that a lot of time is driving the narrative in your head. That's first. 
Um, at, now, as far as meditation is concerned, everybody's giving out free meditations and teaching people how to meditate and all that. And, you know, I've tried different types of meditation. I've even taken up um, transcendental meditation for a while, which I like. And what tends to work for me is moving meditation. <laughs> no, and there, you know, there's so many different types of meditation and my moving meditation has been really, really, really long solitary walks with my dogs or little jogs or something like that. So, you know, being out and everybody's not going to have this option right now necessarily, especially in places where they are fining people for walking outside, which they need to let people get out because this, that's what's going to make people go crazy, being stuck inside. Um, but there are all kinds of ways to come up with meditative practices. It's getting out of the um, getting unplugged is the most important part of it. So turning off your TV, putting your phone someplace where you're not going to be checking it all the time um, and figuring out how to be with yourself, be with yourself. The first thing is to listen to what all that chatter is going on in your head and then I'll tell you one of the one of the most helpful practices that I've ever learned was um, Byron Tracy. Is that her name? Byron. Byron oh, Katie. Yes, Byron I love her. Katie. Byron Katie with the work. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you absolutely true, sure that's true? So anybody, look up Byron Katie because I think right now, when we're all forming these stories in our head that we have to really question the story that's going on in our head. And a lot of times we don't know what truly is. We don't. And it's different for different people at different times in different parts of the world and different dimensions and realizing how molding and flexible it is. We have this event that's happening and sometimes I'm stepping back and I'm like, I really can't figure out how, what's really happening here. I, I can't figure out exactly what's happening here because I'm like everything I'm wondering, what everybody says, is that true? Is that absolutely true? How do I know it's true? What if it wasn't true? What would it be? How can I break it down? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and there's, there's a practice like that with the purpose of getting to your truth. Like Byron Katie says, I'm a, um, you know, I'm, I work with people who are interested in finding out the truth, the seeker of the truth. So in order to do that, the, the, just find some quiet wherever you are. If you can go out and you're walking and you're allowed, go out and walk alone in nature. If you're in a city where you can't do that, or you're in a place where you're, you have to do something that's going to quiet your mind because you're going to be, a lot of us are going to be forced to act and we're going to need to be acting in rational ways for whatever is presented to us. That means we have to calm down our fear and our anxiety and everything else that's going on so that we can think 
in a manner that's going to serve us and everybody that's around us. So for me, the biggest thing, I mean, you know, I used to like to go walking with my dogs, but they get four or five and six mile walks every day, maybe long, <laughs> sometimes, you know, little jogs and sometimes twice a day because it's just getting away from it all. It is just what you're going to have to do. So you can get away from it all. Even when you're in your house, you're going to define, you know, people are talking about now they're podcasting and doing TV and whatever in their closet. You're going to have to go in your closet and then find, find that quiet space. Um, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off your computer, turn off your, um, your tablet, turn off your phone, and let yourself examine what's going on in your head. Um, I'm not going to tell you breathe this way, meditate that way, this thing's perfect, you got to meditate, you got to pray. Uh, no, You're, this is the time to find the practice that's going to work for you. And you will know it is right when you're calm, okay? Um, because the people, like I'm talking to you, I know, you know, there's a minute where you freak out, but because you have a calming practice, probably most of the time you're good. Because <laughs> I'm just like, why am I not freaking out like everybody else? Because whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. I surrender control. So part of the meditative practice of going out is just surrendering. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Surrender is my, is my word. I am I'm close to getting it tattooed. That's how much of a word it is for me. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I do think that people will find um, the answer that's for them in the space of clarity and silence. And, um, and I, and I like the option of moving meditation. I think nature is such an amazing healer. And, um, for those who can get out in nature, I can't recommend that enough. This is the time if you haven't been able to do that before, because you've been too busy at work. So, okay. As we wrap up, I really, I have really enjoyed our conversation and, um, could really chat for forever just to keep it concise. I would like to circle back to your thoughts around who would or could most benefit from a practitioner in your field of energy and biofield medicine? If somebody is listening and thinking, um, at what point would it be best for me to seek out this type of a practitioner? Um, and I don't, you know, is, is it good at any time? Is it, is it at a time when diagnostics are unclear? What would be your advice of when to seek out you or a similar practitioner and then follow it up with um, how people can find you? The person who says, I'm really serious about having a different result in my life, and I don't know how to get there. I'm serious about it. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to invest in myself to figure this all out now are the people that find me. Um, I say it that way because... Everybody says health is important, but where are you spending your time and where are you spending your money and where are you spending your energy? Are you spending it on your health in all three of those areas or not? And a lot of times the answer to that is no. And if you're not ready to spend there, you're not serious. And so when I get people and I work with them who are serious, they definitely get transformations because they're ready to do the work. That's what Brian Katie calls her work. Byron Katie, it's the work. I do the work with people, not Byron Katie's work specifically, <laughs> but 
the work with people who are ready to get a result physically, spiritually, and emotionally. We work on the physical, we support the physical while we're working on the emotional and spiritual. You cannot separate them. And so if you are ill and you can't figure out how to get better, a lot of times you've been working specifically in only one area and that's why you're still ill because you've got to pay attention to all the areas. So now I want to say we're in a time where um, you know, I'm trained in functional medicine, homeopathy, integrative medicine in addition. We didn't talk about the rest of my background, all the other letters behind my name and pieces of paper. Um, and so what has been most helpful for people right now is I have a ward off colds and flu toolkit. Now it's specifically meant to help people boost their immune system to make them resistant for viruses. And I put this together over two years ago because so many people have asked me, what do I do to stay well? And I said, here's what you do. Let me give you all the steps that I use for me and my family. And I put it in a toolkit. So when this situation occurred, I said, here's exactly what you need to do to be as resilient as possible at this time. So you can get that at drveronica.com slash flu, F-L-U, drveronica.com slash flu. If you go to drveronica.com, you can, you know, see other things there. And, the, you know, the thing is, when you get the flu kit, you'll come onto my email list. And I, I always get, I, I, I have, like yesterday, I had somebody who was a sleep expert that I interviewed. And now I'm telling people how to sleep. And now I'm writing a blog about sleeping. So, You'll get spiritual information about fear, about mindset, but you'll also get um, physical information, like about how do I boost my immune system? Um, what does this vitamin mean? What's an adaptogen? What about sleep? What about all these other um, holistic ways? These homeopathic, what gelsimium, so you don't, you're not anxious anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you'll get a, a hodgepodge of holistic information, including spiritual information, which is something that most people don't pay attention to a whole lot, but it is really driving what's going on. It's in your aura, it's working to give you a message, and you gotta pay attention to it. So when you hear from me, you'll get that. I start you off, you get information about the flu, but then you'll get information about all the sides of your health. Wonderful. And I will include those links in the show notes. So for anybody who didn't catch it or, you know, maybe was doing something else and didn't have a chance to write it down, you can refer back to the show notes for those links. I so appreciate your time today, Dr. Veronica. Um, lots of really valuable information and insights. And um, I, I just really think that this will be valuable to so many people, um, those who maybe knew a little bit, but also those who this is completely new for them. And um, I hope that, and I trust that, like you said earlier, it is going to to find the person it was supposed to find or people. So thank you so much again. Thank you for having me, Claudia. A huge thank you to Dr. Veronica for carving out this time to share her insights with us. I hope that by now, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I love bringing you topics that are outside of the box. Not so much that they don't hold truth and accuracy, but that they help us expand our concepts of minding our wellness. 
So thanks again to Dr. Veronica. I will put all of her links in the show notes, as I mentioned, and I look forward to seeing you here again next time. Stay safe, my friends.